0: Like it's one of those smells where you like instantly know it from somewhere, but you can't quite place it. Sure, certainly it's not from drinking wine. <laughs> it's not where I know that smell from. It's not any of the flavors associated with wine. It's almost like some cross between chest rub and lip balm. So you can just picture me in bed watching repeats of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and laughing at my wine.
1: Well wow, this this definitely doesn't make me want to slip my wrist in a bathtub or anything that. Hunter, your name is Hugh. This podcast is called Project A. Hey, 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 clean audio. My name is Hunter. Your name is Hugh. This podcast is called Project A. Yep. What are we doing today? Today we're doing three three sterling films. Uh, the latest Steven Soderbergh Netflix joint called The Laundromat. Uh, we're going to cap off our foray into uh, Iranian cinema by talking about. Uh, Mosin Maqmalbov's Moment of Innocence, and Ashkar Farhadi's
0: A Separation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, that, is that good? Is that good, clean audio? Uh, so this week we'll be looking at Steven Soderbergh's latest Netflix joint. Uh, that's what I just said. The Laundromat. Yep. And then we'll be capping off our exploration of Iranian cinema. Uh-oh. That's interesting. With uh, separation and a moment of innocence. Yep. Just so that in case I just gave myself some B roll.
1: So um before we talk about these these great um examples of cinema, first we must uh discourse largely on a couple of things. Namely what what do we do first? Armor Armor of of the gods.
0: Armor of gods, yeah.
1: What you wear? Today I'm wearing a very simple outfit of a gray button-up shirt, long-sleeved, mm-hmm. and some tan pants. I I have mismatched socks on. One is pink with uh, sort of uh, a blue dissolve, blue and white dissolve pattern with pink toes and heel on one, and then just a plain white sock on the other. Nice. Yeah, that's what I'm wearing right now. What
0: about what about you? Well, I'm pleased to report that uh, both of the hosts of Project Day Plus are wearing tan pants this week. In fact, the same pants that I wore on the previous two recording sessions. And I'm also wearing uh, the same T-shirt, the same shirt over the top, which is a light blue T-shirt and a dark green shirt, unbuttoned. Um, Socks-wise... Yes, once again, I'm wearing Bonds socks. Uh, Perhaps once again, they have purple and grey stripes and the Bonds logo in red text running vertically over the top. I think they're the same pair of socks I wore last time. I did wash them. They were probably at the top of the sock drawer, hence why I selected them again. So... Maybe uh, for next episode, I'll intentionally Mix it up a bit, but uh, pretty similar this week again. Alright, moving on. My uh tan panted cohort. Reels on meals on reels
2: on meals on, reels. Reels on, meals on Reels on meals on reels on
0: on I had the usual cheap white bread defrosted and toasted, layered with uh generics bread. And uh, Marmite. Uh, I will report that I left one of the bits of bread in the toaster too long. It burnt and I have to scrape off the burnt bits. I also had some coffee in that new mug that I discussed in a previous episode. What did you have today
1: as your meals? Um, Sir. I had a couple of meals today, Hugh. Wow. I started today with my now standard breakfast of some muesli. And some yogurt mixed together. Mm-hmm. And vanilla yogurt this time. Vanilla Greek yogurt. Which is not my choice, but I was out of my own yogurt, so I had to make do with some of my girlfriends.
0: What is your choice?
1: Um, I like either the I like either plain or uh, with honey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for lunch I had some leftovers, which consisted of Uh, half a piece of naan, garlic naan, Mm -hmm. some rice, and some Japanese curry, uh, which was just a potato, basic, um, you know, grocery store bought box of those breakable curry sticks. Um, It was was a spicy version of that. I I believe the company's like Golden Curry or something like that. Yeah, that's the one. Very recognizable brand name. Very tasty stuff. Um, and I, uh, I made it last night with some potatoes, some onions, and some carrots. Very basic, but very hearty and tasty meal. I think we can agree. Hmm. Uh, and then, for dinner just now, I made myself a open face sandwich, uh, which was a turkey, ham and bear uh, arugula, apple, uh, fig butter, and pickle sandwich, uh, with an apple and a pickle on the side, and I also had some potato snacks, and I alongside that I drank a alcoholic ginger beer, and that was my dinner. That was my. This is my meals. So you're wasted right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally um, fucking buzzed.
0: Mm. So, funnily Fucked enough. I'm actually trying to find a a project a plus. to justify the title. So it could be a spin-off food podcast <laughs> called uh Here Comes Arugula.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Which is a reference to a replacement song called yeah. Here Comes a Regular.
1: Never listened to the replacement, so
0: But it's famous enough that uh, people will dig the title, I think.
1: Wait, do you mean that great Keanu Reeves movie? Is that what it was called? Is there a
0: movie called Here Comes a Regular? No, the the Replacements. Is that what it was
1: called? The football movie, you know what I'm talking about.
0: I'm um, not sure I do.
1: Where I think I think he's like a strike breaker or something like that. Right. There's like a it's like a maybe it's Mark Wahlberg I don't remember, but it's one of those two directors. But it's like uh, it's like a group of football players who for some reason the original football team has been sidelined, so they have to step in. I mean, let me let me look. Yes, it's called Their Replacements. It was released in uh, the year of our Lord uh, two thousand. But it wasn't Keanu
0: Reeves, right? It was Keanu
1: Reeves. Gene Hackman. John Favreau. And I was right that he he is a strike breaking uh striker. <laughs> no, no no. There's no striking in football, you American football. Dumb dumb Oh, is it American football? Yeah. <laughs> <I didn't know. laughs> Come on. Um, football is the world game, well, it's soccer. So this sounds like a pretty conservative film. A fictitional pro football league finds themselves uh hit with a player strike da 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 And then, um, Canada Reeves comes in and breaks that strike. Nice. And crosses the picket line.
0: Are they the heroes? Yeah, yeah, apparently. <laughs> strike
1: breakers? Apparently. So, good stuff. Sounds great. Cool. And, uh, Risa
0: Fonz is also in it. Project A Plus favorite, Risa Fonz. The, the,
1: the, the wizard himself. Yeah. <laughs> God. They should make a wizard standalone movie. With racist fans again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Reprising <laughs> reprises just roll. Tell me about the weather, where
0: you are. are you ready? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, currently 31 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, what's that Celsius? That's like um, 5 degrees? 0 uh, Two Celsius.
1: is 0.5 degrees Okay. So there we go. That's
0: definitely colder than it ever gets here.
1: Yeah. Uh, what, what, what's the temperature? Of, what, what are we supposed to do with this? Just the temperature of the weather?
0: Yeah, just what, what it's like today. And some recommendations to our listeners as well, who happen to be listening in the past.
1: Uh, I would recommend that you uh, put on a, put on a, a hearty coat uh, when you step outside today. Because not only mm-hmm. are you going to be greeted with an obscenely cold temperature, unequal to the way the day started, because apparently, Hugh, in the morning today, it was in the 50s Fahrenheit. Mmm. a substantially warmer climate than in the 30s. Um, and also, when I was walking to work today, uh, it started flurrying. So. started what? Flurrying, which is, a, uh, I don't know if that's Americanism or just a word. I've never heard that term. It's just like a very white snow. Mm. So. Wow. Great stuff. Uh, what's it like it's in Melbourne kind of right now?
0: It's phrase to... Pronounce. Yeah. Oh,
1: it's flurrying. What's well, flurry? That's the. the stuff. I know what flurry is, but like. Yeah. There you flurrying go. is yeah. kind of an awkward mouthful. Oh, blow, blow me. As
0: as it would be if it, if you opened your mouth to it.
1: No, because it, it's not that much, so. Okay. I guess it'd be an awkward. It'd be an awkward mouthful, and that you wouldn't get that much. Right. So.
0: There you go. So that's the weather in NYC. Yeah. So in Melbourne. um, the sun is actually just coming out now, but it's otherwise a cloudy day. Mm. There's some rain expected later. It sounds like the perfect day to
1: stay inside and podcast.
0: But it's nice and mild. It's quite still, and it's about, um, I would say, about 18, 19 degrees today. It's mm. so n- pretty good weather, actually. Mm. Um, would you like to know what that is in Fahrenheit? Yeah, yeah. 64.4 Fahrenheit. Mm. Which, that's that's kind of my ideal weather, really. Yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty Overcast and... 18
1: degrees Yeah, pleasant
0: And there's, yeah, there's a freshness in the air So it's quite nice And I like the grey Really? So there you go So um, I reckon you could you could get away with uh, just like a t-shirt and a jacket If you want to look cool like me Just before we get into the main feature today um, We are going to be temporarily retiring a segment that you've uh, come to come know In recent weeks Which is Drag On Forever which normally ends the podcast. We've decided that uh, it's kind of a an inconvenience uh, unless we have something we're burning to speak about. So it, it is, as the the title suggests, it drags on forever. And sometimes after an epic bonus features segment, it was a bit much to introduce a random other topic to finish the show. So um, what we're going to do is put it in the vault, cue the vault jingle. Vault. Tell them about.
2: What's in the vault? Oh, it's coming out. Dragon Forever.
0: Great. And uh, that means that at a later point in time, if we have a subject we wish to discuss that doesn't fit within our other segments, um, we can open the vault yep. and uh, reintroduce Dragon Forever. Yep,
1: We're inspired, of course, by the Disney vault, the greatest. That's right. That's right. Uh, invention. All right, let's get to it. Um, what film are we talking about today?
2: Laundromat.
0: The Laundromat. Our main feature today is uh, The Laundromat, mm. which is on Netflix, and it's by Steven Soderbergh. Written
1: by uh, Scott Z. Burns. Scott Z. Burns. He's written a couple of other Soderberg joints. The Informant Contagion Side Effects. Making
0: this his fourth collaboration with Steven Soderbergh.
1: Yeah. And his his best question mark? We'll find out. Mm. Um so, uh what is the laundromat Hugh? Well thanks for thanks for um Stephanie so decide so I can answer my own question. Uh The Laundromat is a movie about uh, the Panama Papers scandal. Uh, which, if you, like I, were had heard the name of bo- a lot, but were ignorant as to what it meant, really, <laughs> were you in the similar boat as I, I was?
0: I remember reading some of the articles in The Guardian when it first broke. But the gist was, these, these are just tax scams.
1: Uh, so it sort of takes the that whole scandal um, and meshes um, a, I guess, like, biographical... Or a historical representation of the um, law firm that was mostly behind the, the sort of scandal in, in mm. Panama um, with a uh, fictionalized account of, of the way in which the, the, the everyday American worker gets screwed over by those uh, greedy capitalists.
0: It's partly based on Secrecy World, which is a book about the Panama Papers by Jake Bernstein.
1: So, this movie is kind of a, a tapestry of incident. Um, there are basically two sort of recor- recurring narratives. Mm-hmm. Um, one about um, Meryl Streep, who plays a character named Ellen Martin, as Wikipedia tells me, uh, whose husband gets killed in a boating accident. And when she attempts to collect insurance money, is confronted by... Sort of cascaded series of shell companies that basically um, mean that she's not going to get insurance money. <laughs> that's that's the gist of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, and so she sort of uh, investigates uh, the reasons behind this.
0: That's side line. Yeah.
1: Then another sort of strand in the movie is Gary Oldman and Antonio Banderas doing sort of I don't know. It seemed a little like a queer bashing to me slightly. <laughs> Uh, versions of uh, these sort of feat lawyers: uh, Jurgen and Rimon Fossinka, uh, who uh, ran this law firm in Panama that was responsible for them, and it's sort of they sort of uh, act as the narrators of the film who detail the why the Panama the the Panama stuff was bad. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that good? <laughs> Uh, and then the film is sort of dotted with, uh, I guess, sketches. Yeah. Uh, sort of illustrate the uh, global implications of the scandal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, this, film, this film is sort of a didactic lesson. Uh, it sort of takes for granted that you're, uh, the viewer has no knowledge, really, of... of it's basically like you and I... Someone who knew what the Panama Papers were but didn't really understand what they meant.
0: They knew Panama Papers bad, <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> and here's why:
0: rich people bad. Yeah. Uh,
1: so Jackie Chan bad. <laughs> uh, Jackie Chan is not in this video, so of point that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's 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 sort of a propaganda-ish film. Um, it doesn't really advocate for a specific position, I guess, mm. except for uh, you know that. Uh, the specific way in which um, uh, rich people are able to shield their money from from taxes should be uh, eliminated. And that's basically what this film is.
0: Yeah, from, from taxation and any social responsibility, like yes. you know, compensating the victims of this boating accident.
1: So, yeah, it's um, it's uh, web propaganda at its finest. Now, this film has often been compared to a film that I have not seen, but I've read a lot of uh, negative tweets about. <laughs> Uh, The Big Short. Have you seen The Big Short? I have. Uh, And people have relayed that there is a uh, similar tactic that this film uses, dressing up its sort of dry um, political message uh, about this financial crisis and putting it down with the the sugar of of comedy and uh, cameos by celebrities.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, it's another film in the burgeoning capitalism explainer genre.
1: You know, this film has been met with a pretty negative reception, I think. Yes. Though it has had some defenders. Um, most notably Richard Brody of the New Yorker wrote a moderately positive review of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not fucking interested in what Richard Brody and his elitist magazine thinks, you know. What I'm interested in is like what everyday people like you and me think about this film. What I'm saying is that the coastal elites will stifle the opinions of, of film critics like us. Mm. Uh, and that, uh, you and I, two true Americans, um, have to detail our opinion, take our country back. Uh, so in the spirit of that, Hugh, uh, my question for you is, um, was the Lodge Bat, uh, as insufferable as this sort of description made it sound, or did you eke out some, um, pleasure in this film?
0: Well, I'm going to rephrase that question to, did I watch this movie? (laughs) Because I wonder that even now. Uh, (laughs) I remember a couple of days after I saw it, um, and when I say saw it, I'm going by the fact that I've got a note on my phone about it. Mm. I remember you made a reference to David Trimmer being part of the cast.
1: Um. And
0: I thought, hang on a minute, somehow I already knew that. Did I watch this film? (laughs) Yes, yes, I did. I watched this film. So my opinion on the film, the laundromat is that I'm fairly certain I watched it. (laughs) Uh, Anything else? else? Well, I mean that, that kind of, there is an implicit judgment in, uh, in that comment Mm. that I I will get into more detail about, but I I would like to hear your perspective first.
1: Well, Hugh, honestly, um, I found this film, uh, memorable. (laughs) So memorable. Wow. Yeah, I know. Um, but uh, in that, I thought it was terrible. <laughs> 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 so, um, like, like uh, uh, Lot being turned into a pillar of salt for dairy to look back on Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, my memory has been affixed with the, the images of of uh, Meryl Streep in brownface, uh, uh, Gary Oldman and and uh, Antonio Banderas embarrassing themselves. This. This shitty um, you know metrosexual uh European shtick. hmm that being being uh, told over and over again it, it made to 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 see something that I had realized within the first ten minutes of the film, which is what the uh, basic unit of the 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 scandal was and uh, having understood that already being hammered by it over and over again yeah i I thought this one was uh, pretty uh reprehensible <laughs> not reprehensible. Not, it's not morally questionable even if i if I, even if i think that the political point it's making is pretty toothless and then it doesn't really it's not advocating for anything in particular necessarily it's just the standard like liberal idea that you know gee golly there are some bad rich people
0: yeah it's not yeah. necessarily advocating for complete uh institutional restructure no per se
1: it's just it's just saying that we should close these goddamn loopholes and and make the rich pay their fair share in taxes. Yeah,
0: tighten up the existing system. Yeah, so that people can't get away with this type of stuff. Um,
1: and uh, I, I must disagree with that position. <laughs> um, and you because know you want to burn it all to the ground. But Hugh, yeah, I want to. I, I want to hashtag feel the bird. Um, <laughs> um, no, but but Hugh, you know, there are plenty there are plenty of films that I, I cherish that uh, uh, hold similarly liberal values. Perhaps even my favorite uh, film of all time, Brazil, uh, also posits sort of a, um, I would say, a, a solution unequal to the problem that it presents. Mm. But uh, unlike, say, just to take again, random example Brazil, um, which has many positive qualities. This film does not possess a single positive quality. <laughs> uh, I, I have been a little facetious. There are there are some points of this that I, I enjoyed, I have to admit. But um, in general, I thought this film was uh, atrocious. So.
0: I would say that I didn't find it unenjoyable. Mm. I found it fairly easy to digest as a viewing experience. Uh, like I wasn't necessarily bored. But I, I, I completely agree with pretty much everything you said in that it is terrible. <laughs> but I do want to say that up front, going back to what we said about the big short, which everyone has compared this to. Mm. I think it's, it's worth pointing out that the big shot kind of recalled Soderbergh to some extent mm. in that I could imagine Soderbergh making the big short. And now he has made the, the big short. Now he's made the big shot and Soderbergh and this film's screenwriter, uh, Scott Z. Burns, who've worked together before, have even adapted nonfiction accounts of white collar crime previously with The Informant.
1: Which I have seen and I, I saw it too. I saw it in a hotel room with my mom when I was 16. Hmm. And I remember enjoying it when I was that age. So
0: But but certainly the litany of famous faces, some of whom explain convoluted financial schemes directly to camera make it difficult mm. for this film to escape the shadow of The Big Short. Mm. Yes. And just to be clear, I'm not a fan of The Big Short.
1: I'm not going to see it, uh, and I do not think I will see it at this point. So. No, I
0: wouldn't, I wouldn't particularly recommend it. It is difficult for me to discuss this film in any great detail because, as I said, I barely remember watching it. But I will say <laughs> that the one visual image that has lingered in my memory is that of David Trimmer's sad dog face framed by... Boca christmas lights that was a great great image it did it did have that going for it i did appreciate david Twimmer being in this even if he's in it for two scenes three scenes all in the same location and unlike most of the other cameos in this i thought he was quite well cast as the sort of forlorn dejected yeah i agree because that's just that was Facebook. yeah Especially now, like it's, it's elongated even <laughs> yeah. further. Into I, would, I would,
1: I would love to see a remake of like that movie, The Woodsman with David Schwimmer. <laughs> he
0: would be a great pedophile. Yeah, he would. He Cause, would be.
1: Because you'd he, feel a little bad for him. <laughs> 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 like, this guy's has like sex and children, but, uh, you know, he, he looks sad. He, like he, he looks like he regrets it. I was going to see a movie where, where David Turner goes to the electric chair. That's my, uh, that's my dream. <laughs> anyway.
0: So this film is bad. It's gotten bad reviews for the most part, but I will say that it doesn't feel at all out of character for Soderbergh.
1: No, that's like, true. Like, to me,
0: it it doesn't feel like a gross miscalculation. It doesn't feel like he's abandoned his craft or phoned anything in per se. No. And... Honestly, for me, it just feels like any Soderbergh film. It just feels like another mm. Soderbergh film. I definitely enjoy his films more than you do, so... Yeah, that's, that's true. This, this, is, this kind of resurfaced the problem that I have with a lot of his films. Mm. Uh, we know he has craft. We know he's efficient, even ingenious at what he does. Mm. But I'm starting to realize that... I'm starting to realize what it is about his films that leaves me cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, more so than I perhaps articulated on our episode about High Flying Bird. And it's a, it's a cumulative effect, I think. It's not just because the laundromat is maybe quite a bit worse than some of his other efforts, which I think it, I think it is, to be fair. Um, it's, it's, it's the feeling that some project has landed on his desk that has caught his eye. He's gone off and shot it efficiently, maybe ingeniously, although not here, and then he's on to the next thing. Mm. And it's like, as you're watching one of his films, you get the sense that he's already on to the next thing. Everything's a little disposable.
1: Yeah. I think he, he's sort of like an anti-auteur and that he's often like his, the subject matter of his films is, is uh, like of a paramount importance, you know, right? The quality is supposed to be traced by how like, well, the scripts are written and that sort of
0: stuff. Not to be too glib about it, but it feels like he's got an artist's ambition and a craftsman's disposition. Mm. His films don't feel like films so much as projects. So the launch Right may as well have been called Untitled Steven Soderbergh Panama Papers Project, right? That's just what it feels like it is. If someone was to ask me to envisage what I think that project would look like, it would be this film. Nothing about it really surprises me. And in, in a way, the above average craft that he exhibits in his recent work makes it all the more frustrating. And it feels like it feels like he knows how to make something work. And he just goes off and gets it done. It never really feels like he's finding his way towards something through the process of making the film.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like the opposite of like Terrence Malick, for instance.
0: And I have to qualify this again by saying I haven't gone back and like reassessed some of his earlier breakout work or more acclaimed mm-hmm. work. And nor have I seen what I I'm assuming is his most experimental film, Schizopolis.
1: I have seen Schizopolis.
0: But It's certainly how I feel about all his recent films, how he's operated in the new millennium, and certainly how he's operating at the moment. And I should also say that this type of working method can produce lasting works of art. I'm not subscribing to the image of the tortured artist or that the way Malick does it is the only way you can create profound art. There are many works that I love that have been made by similar methods, by similar people, people who were diligent about what they did and... Or once maybe dismissed as craftsmen or who didn't consider themselves artists per se. But I don't think Soderbergh's craftsmanship rises to that level. Mm. And I think he could really use an injection of artistic risk, not just like a technical risk or a technical feat like shooting a film on an iPhone, but a real risk about what he's expressing through the film.
1: People actually really liked Unsane for that reason, actually, I think. so. Maybe you should watch that.
0: Maybe I should. But yeah, that's 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 my problem with this film and with Soderbergh in general at the moment, from what I've seen of his work.
1: Mm, I really liked Logan, Lucky and High Flying Bird, actually, which came out this year. So
0: I don't know what to tell you. Again, both of those are, are significantly better than this, but they still belong to that same category for me.
1: Um should we talk about the more like uh, problematic aspect of this film?
0: The brown face? Yeah. Yeah. Where did you think that whole that whole I was? Like, plot? Like, it was geez. so bizarre. <laughs> It was so obvious as well. Like from the moment she appears, that it's Meryl Streep. Yeah, I wasn't fooled. Uh, I was fooled for probably, long. Like, if I was. maybe like
1: three seconds, then I was like, "What? What is this?" As soon as she started talking, I was like, "Oh, why is she wearing those big sunglasses all the time?" Oh, because it's Meryl Streep. God, and 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 the 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 ending of the film where she does like the stupid like she takes off all the makeup and the wig and stuff. Oh. I thought it was, thought the was dying. Scenes. And she, like, posed the Statue over. to It was such, like, American, it was such, like, liberal, like, you know, this, like, fucking bullshit appeal to, like, uh, these meaningless, like, national symbols. is like a, uh, you know, this is not, this is a commonsensical American thing to do, you know. There was some part that was, like, about Obama. I, I, I wrote my friends this, it was, like, sort of a, a note that I'd written down, but I can't remember what it was in reference to. Do you remember what I'm talking about? There's like a scene where they like they're in a bar and like cuts to Obama giving a speech and they're like, "Oh no!"
0: Yeah, I vaguely remember it, but I don't remember the context very well.
1: I just remember. I also remember just being like, "This is so dumb" because like, obviously Obama exacerbated or like put like a, a, a the miners to palliatives onto the issues that undergirded like the financial, you know, you know, we don't have to, we not to relitigate the Obama administration. <laughs> Um, Not yet, that's for a later segment Yeah, yeah. that's that's for our uh, politics corner. Yeah, okay, so anyway Let's move on from uh, The mat, a felt that was uninspiring, I think uh, To two films that perhaps are more uninspiring Or more uninspiring Or more <laughs> inspiring <laughs> It was a bit of a at the time <laughs> I just spoiled what, what I felt about uh, Both of the movies um, What, what, did uh, you like, what we do
2: before
0: Between? Yeah, pizza
2: Pass a piece of pizza, baby I want some pizza, lay me out a slice. Fetch a felon feature for me. It's a police story, take them fights.
1: I actually did have some pizza between last episode and now, so...
0: Good, the burden is on you because I did not.
1: Um, but it's not a really exciting one. I think it might have been Tuesday when we were going to record originally. Not original. We, we were never scheduled to record, but the, the day that we were assumed we were going to record this episode, uh, I had a frozen pizza for dinner. Hmm. Uh, I had, like, some sausage and pepperoni. Yeah. It was, like, fine. Okay, that's it.
2: <laughs> project time. It's project time. Project time. It's project time. Project time. It's project time. Project time. It's project time.
0: Talk about a moment of innocence. What is a moment of innocence?
1: Yeah, what is a moment of innocence? Here, yeah. it's a
0: 1996 film directed by Mohsen Makhmalbaf.
1: Mm. What is it about?
0: Well, it's it's sort of one of those uh, quintessential Iranian films, at mm. least of the newer wave from the 80s onwards. Yeah, spearheaded by Kiarostami, in which there is a melding of uh, fiction and nonfiction. Um, so this this is quite similar to. For example, Kiristami's close up, in that it involves people recreating a moment from actual history on screen for us. And we sort of were part of the process of recreation, and that is part of the text as well. So in this case, it's about Marklebaugh making a film of a moment in his youth when he was 17 years old, in which he stabbed a policeman in an attempt to disarm him. Now, the policeman survived, and the policeman is in this film trying to cast a younger version of himself to recreate this event and direct the actor. Mark Mulbuff is also in this film casting a younger version of himself and directing that side of the story, Mm -hmm. and uh, it sort of follows the production. That's the basic story.
1: Okay. Sounds interesting. Mm. What did you think about it? (laughs) No,
0: no, what did you think of it? I just summarized it. Uh, I
1: I found this film, um, I don't know, mesmerizing, I guess. It helped that it was only 70 minutes.
0: I, I do want to qualify my opinion of this film by revealing that, although this film is, you know, about 70 minutes or so, I watched it over a period of maybe three hours or more. <laughs> uh-huh. Not because I was intentionally stopping it and doing other things and then returning to it. It was because my internet connection was so poor at the time Mm. that even the 240p copy uploaded to YouTube had to be downscaled to 144p. And even then, even then, it played for about 20 seconds before it would have to load for a minute. That's basically how I watched the entire film. Wow.
1: That sounds terrible.
0: So I lived in this film for a long time. (laughs) Sort of. Uh, I really had time to think and uh, not take notes. <laughs> so, yeah, I liked this film. It didn't make a big impression on me. Mm. I mean, this film sounded really interesting to me when I first heard about it, and it was first recounted to me by Mark Cousins on the story of film. So I was like, that sounds really fascinating. Mm-hmm. But now, watching this after exploring the filmographies of uh, Jafar Panahi and Abbas Kirastami and seeing films like Close Up and all that sort of stuff, and also knowing exactly what happens in this film, and what it's about, it lost some some power that otherwise it might have had if I watched it cold, you know.
1: Yeah, I think I think we can compare this. I think most directly to Kurosami,
0: yeah, especially closer.
1: Yeah, uh, and I think what separates uh, this film from that film is that it doesn't quite contain quite as much like explicit, um, you know, philosophical uh, jibber-jabber. <laughs>
0: That's true, that's true.
1: And that's maybe why I thought it was a little... I, I enjoyed it uh, a little more because pretty much the whole thing is, is you know, you, you get... you it, it allows you access to all these, like, different, you know, ideas of, like, um, past and true, down the present and the um, the legacies of, like, the political uprisings of of Macbalf's youth and that sort of stuff. But it doesn't ever make that, like, a uh, explicit uh, thing that it's telling the audience, as in Karasabi's.
0: And it also has, like, a a lightly comic tone at yeah. points that uh, is quite different from timing.
1: I thought the scene where um, the ex policeman and his younger double um, sort of start marching through the snow, this ironic sort of marching song comes on. Mm. I thought it was really surprising, and really funny, <laughs> and I really like that. I really like that touch a lot. Um, in general, I actually really enjoyed the music in this film. It was sort of a mix between like there's almost like an electronic fuzz to it almost, um, and I thought it was really well done. So. Mm. Um, but i I enjoy films like this that yeah you know, there's, there's not really it's it's such a personal film in in a lot of senses and not even knowing that much about ba- Mac like personal life I mean his like you know is the incidents that form his life for the subject in this film right I don't know i just thought, i thought that was pretty ingenious the way it was constructed mm. um and i I just i i think I felt the the way in which sort of the the moments where um, which are like obviously fictionized where like the past is sort of intruding on the present never felt um, forced to me like they never felt very uh, contrived I guess uh, and I think I, I think I respected it for that reason there's a sort of a um, intuitiveness in the film that I, I enjoyed
0: just to explain what you're referring to for the benefit of the listener there are points in which the actors playing the characters even when they're not being filmed, start to act like the actual people they're portraying
1: yes and i i enjoy the way that this film sort of uh shows like the echoes of the past as they sort of like um you know reverberate in the in the in the present but it's not a film that seems weighed down by this idea that you know like a a common sort of uh, theme uh, that I felt like this would explore would be like, oh, the past is inescapable, you know? Mm. Um, there does seem to be a, uh, or Mac Balboff seems to be hopeful for the future in a way, right? And I think that's what, the, that's what the final image is sort of encapsulating, just this sort of like alternative path that could have emerged. And I will say this, I will say this about Mac Balboff and, um, versus Karasami and Panahi. He has a really um, cool mustache, so you've got to give him a couple of points for that, too, I think.
0: Um, it did seem like at, at points I thought it was vis- visually less arresting than some of Kiristami's works, for example, mm. but I was watching it at 144p in the worst possible circumstances. So. <laughs>
1: it's kind of hard to evaluate that.
0: Like, the snow stuff looked good. Some of the tracking yeah. shots look good. Otherwise, it felt a little more prosaic.
1: Yeah, there, there's sort of a flatness to some of its compositions that I, I actually, I mean, on one hand, it's like a little, you know, it, it does seem sort of standard. But I like the visual compositions aren't especially like striking, but that almost makes it more arresting when, I, I don't know, it makes like this sort of dream feeling about the film more intense, I think. Mm. It makes it feel more lucid, I guess, because the the, the it doesn't violate this, this form as much. Um, and I think there's, like, sort of a breaking into it, too, with, like, the, the repeated, like, um, parts with, like, the the clapboard comes and, like, interrupts the scene. I don't know. Like, this gesture of, like, uh, uh, of breaking naturalism, I guess. I was really tired when I watched this film, so <laughs> it sort of impacted my viewing experience uh, a lot. Um, and I really, I really enjoyed sort of the mood it, it conjured up, I think. I don't know. Like, these, like, deferred lusts and and romances and, and just this, this feeling of like regret and also, you know, this glimmer of like hope for the future. Mm. I thought it was, I thought it was, as the poster says, brilliant and poignant.
0: <laughs> but I think this would make a good, like if I was, if I was like compiling a number of films,
1: Yeah, if you're making a, if you're making a, uh, like a course list, you could put this, an Iranian, this on, on here. An Iranian
0: cinema mixtape. <laughs> sure.
1: Sure. For a friend, for a
0: new romantic prospect.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it, it would be It would be like a good introduction it, I think it would fit in well as like an introductory Film to this this style
1: Yeah and it's it's pretty It's pretty involving I think um, And it's 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 short So you can get someone to yeah. watch it For that reason too uh, It's not quite as like radical as some of Karasami's films um, But I do I don't know there's, there's just certain sequences of this that I really responded to and like that's sort of like our like like sort of how Karasani's supposed to work too, where where there's like this life that exists outside of the frame that you're only given mm-hmm. this like snapdown to. You. Like the, the scene I'm thinking of is like when they go to uh McBalboff's like cousin's house and he asks for if if his cousin's daughter can be in the film and, and she like denies his request and then there's this like um, the the like the visual track of the film sort of stays with McBalboff's car as he like leaves the um, the house and like goes into the streets, while the audio track sort of stays with the daughter arguing with her mother. I thought that was really like you know just like good way of of you know expanding the the scope of the film. You know,
0: mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty good stuff.
1: Yeah, I would say uh, definitely on the uh, higher end of the films that we watched for uh, this podcast and in this in this little project that we're doing. So.
2: Mm.
1: Alright, great. Um do you wanna talk about it more or do you have some stuff you wanna talk about, no. about with uh, a separation?
0: A separation. I'm half asleep, I'm working hard, my expression
2: is unchanged. Those that caught me off guard, I didn't want to call the range, So my daddy on the floor, keeping tied up to the bed. Push the natty out the door, never unborn baby's dead.
1: Separate ourselves from a moment of innocence, and uh, let's go into divorce court and hope that um, now we're, we're going to choose between our two parents, Mushir Makhmalbaf and uh, Askar Farhadi. So uh, let's see. Let's see the case that's made by Farhadi as we discuss this film right now. A separation, uh, which is about, as the title suggests, a separation of a man and a woman.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's it.
1: <laughs> it's kind of a, a dense film, plot-wise. I think you'll agree. Uh, and that the
0: plot is dumb.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Well, you said it was dense.
1: But, so, uh, basically, um, this married couple, I would say, like, um, you know, in their 40s, I don't know, almost middle-aged couple is getting into a divorce um, because the wife wants to move abroad with uh, this couple's child and the husband doesn't that's basically the the crux of their their the divorce proceedings but um the film but why doesn't he
0: want to move
1: um well that's the question isn't it you no it has an easy answer oh because he wants his his oh because of his his dumb uh alzheimer's father yes I, I had a Jesus. moment. I had a moment
0: of my own. All
1: <laughs> the 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 best part is that I watched this movie earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, yes. He wants his daughter to be educated in Iran, and uh, also he is a, his 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 father is is slowly decaying. Um, I think
0: mainly he he feels that he can't abandon his father. Yeah. Yeah. who needs constant care?
1: Um, so, based on this like opening sequence where they talk about the the divorce and the reason for having it, uh, you think this would be a movie about uh, their separation? And the title too.
0: And the Iranian title is even more specific in that it says it's called like the separation of the two named characters.
1: Yeah, yeah. the two main characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, really this film sort of becomes a. Uh, I mean, I guess it is. It is a a film that is more about the uh, results of this separation versus the actual, like, fact of... Because, I, I don't know, like, cared about this film, I assumed it would be more, like, uh, like kind of like marriage story, you know. Not that I've seen marriage story, but a sort of film about their divorce, which it is. But um, in terms of its narrative, it mostly follows a separate incident that sort of occurs because of their divorce, um, which is that the um, father, whose name is Nadir... It seems. I I don't think I caught that fact in the film itself. How has hired a woman to look after his father? Basically, the woman does a bad job, (laughs) I think we can say. Uh, Yes. He gets angry at her, he pushes her, the woman suffers a miscarriage, and sort of they go to court uh, in order to because uh, in Iranian law, you can get blamed, you can basically get arrested for murder if you cause someone else's miscarriage. and sort of it's about sort of the web of characters and incidents that emerge from that uh,
0: incident. Yes. And we should say that it, uh, the legal case puts them in conflict with a family from a lower social status. Yeah. A family of a lower social status. Yeah. I should say. So there's this class divide.
1: So we're kind of we're kind of uh, getting into some Renoir territory here, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Indeed.
1: Uh, we got a lot of both sides.
0: Yep. Foreign, centralist. Uh, yeah, centralist. <laughs> yeah,
1: centralist politically. Um, anyway, what did you think of this 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 film and its and its humanism you know?
0: here? Uh, we should also say that this film uh, was the first Iranian film to win best foreign language film at the Oscars. Is that right?
1: Uh, yeah, I believe so.
0: And uh, the first of two awards that um, Fahadi received.
1: Yeah. What do you? Wait, did you? Was this film great or was it shit? <laughs> There's only two categories you could fit in.
0: Um, I thought this film was okay. Mm. Didn't particularly like it that much.
1: Wow, Hugh you, you to know something. I also thought this thought this film was okay. <laughs> I had a feeling
0: we would be we would have a similar reaction to this film.
1: I was kind of um, I don't know. I, would say I was I was pretty disappointed because this film was like one of the. It's often held up as like one of the greatest Iranian films of you know. All time, pretty much, and always in the West. Uh, and I was kind of, I was kind of shocked to have this sort of muted response to it, that I did.
0: Yeah, I'm honestly kind of tired of films that explore class divides and other social conflicts in this kind of way. Yeah, I, I
1: think I am too.
0: It's not. I just find it not an interesting way. Just to like have the elements in the film and say, oh, look at the look at the class divide." Like, I, I want something more with this. I want.
1: Yeah, you you wanted to you wanted to like make a fucking point too, you know?
0: Hmm. Not just present the divide. <laughs>
1: yeah, and they just assume that the the viewer would be like, "Oh my god!" I because mean, you could just say that there's a class divide. Everyone, you know this. Everyone knows this.
0: <laughs> Pretty international concept. <laughs>
1: I think that's why this film has been so successful. Is that it's not it's 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 a film that you know is 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 about this like the intricacies of, of the Iranian legal system on one hand, but you can pretty much it export this basic concept to any country and it'd be kind of the same, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I thought, I thought the way that it treated its lower caste characters is a little suspect as well, um, especially, like, the husband, because there's, so, there's been so many, like, I'm a working-class, rage-filled monster character, you know? And I was just like, God, Jesus Christ. It just I, I I was never like um it it didn't put me to sleep or anything like that. I feel like the way that it's like breathlessly plotted uh sort of prevents you from doing that. I mean in and you know, it sort of embraces like this like legalistic courtroom drama narrative, right? Hmm. But yeah, I thought it I, I just found it to be kind of I don't know, there wasn't just there wasn't I didn't really find it to be that compelling. And I thought all the I didn't think the characters were that, like, well-drawn, especially.
0: Yeah, I felt the same. And definitely, I think, Fahadi's, like, intention is to do a Renoir style, everyone-has-their-reasons yeah. uh, portrayal. Um, one that certainly affords everyone their reasons over the course of the film, even if initially they seem more like a caricature. I think that's what he's intending to do, at least. Yeah. But I kind of agree with you that some characters feel like they got short shrift and I think the wife character in particular, it felt right. like he was more on the side of the husband.
1: Yeah, he definitely gets more screen time. But actually, I don't know if I agree with you necessarily. But that's that's sort of what the problem with leaving this film as an open-ended question, the problem with it is that, like, you know, it's like he doesn't have to choose a side, really.
0: I I also felt there was a bit of an incongruity between the crisp, professionally lit photography and the sort of faux documentary camera movement.
1: I I just thought it was very I thought it was very I I just thought it was very sort of um, standard, you know.
0: It looked a little too too clean to me. It just felt like television.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you.
0: It was so like the the plot is somewhat soapy and melodramatic, right? It's
1: incredibly soapy and melodramatic. It's it's a film that it's a it's a you know plot that really relies on these like you know, these uh, bursts of, of um, non-especially consequential violence and uh, and twists to, to motivate you to keep watching, right?
0: But the problem is, like, while while it is inherently melodramatic in the way it's telling the story, it didn't feel like it wanted to be. And I would have preferred it was more upfront about it.
1: But there, there is sort of a, a uh, discontinuity between the, the very melodramatic content and sort of the, yeah, like the... the Realis- the the realism of the shaky camera and, and the sort of standard filming techniques that are applied to it you know mm. I mean, it would be better if it was more like florid and expressionist i think you know
0: yeah i agree if it was upfront about yeah. its melodramatic tendencies yeah. cuz otherwise it feels a little ludicrous <laughs> like yeah. the way things play yeah, out yeah just
1: the context in it it just feels a little like oh there's this last second twist you know mm. uh, uh. yeah i don't know I feel like I feel everything in this movie we've seen done better in other Iranian films, too. Yes, you know? I agree. Um, like the uh, examination of the injustices of the Iranian legal system. You know, you could watch like The Circle or this sort of uh, the class divide is much more articulately. I mean, not just to praise Jafar Panahi, but in Crimson Gold, it's made a lot. It's just a much better realization of that divide, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree. I think you get a lot out of crimson gold that is not explicitly spelled out that you can return to and kind of explore in a way that this film feels quite closed off yeah, in what definitely. it's trying to say.
1: But I think I think a major flaw with this is that I think that pretty much all of the Iranian films we've talked about have made a, I mean, this is such a cliche, but they make their location a really central part of their effect, right? Mm. I think of like the Tehran of... of um, you know, like close up or or crimson gold, or like the 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 rural communities that about of, of the Coker trilogy. You know, mm. and how the how these landscapes, these environments, sort of their characters like interface with them. Where this film could really be set anywhere, really. You know, like it doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't seem to embody its 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 setting that well at all. Like you could really make this film. You know, with it's like I don't know. Like there's nothing that feels like it's it's capturing. the the specificity of its of its setting really at all you know
0: yeah i think the problem is i get why this won the academy award
1: yeah because it's it's just it's it's a type of foreign film that anyone can pretty much watch and appreciate you know yeah it doesn't it doesn't require you to to think about it that much (laughs) you know
0: i also felt that the the uh unresolved ending was was a cheap way of of well, it.
1: it's just it's such a standard art house thing of just inserting ambiguity where you really it does yeah, really exactly doesn't ma- it doesn't improve anything by doing it It just makes it so that people will you know write that your film is ambiguous and therefore you know worthy of of praise yeah there's just something sort of just um underwhelming about this film overall
0: yeah i don't want to give the impression that it's bad like no. i think you could get into the story and have a decent enough time watching it yeah. if it came on somewhere.
1: It's just it the, just the like the the um, extreme like plaudits that the summers has earned is like are kind of it's kind of insane to me. Like not even from like whatever the Academy Awards and because they obviously they just give it to the the standard films for the most part, right? But just the just the um, critical response beyond that is is kind of insane, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't do, like, an exhaustive search, but it was difficult to find anyone saying much negative about it. Yeah.
1: So that's right. That's it. It turned to Prada Day Plus for biting critical opinion.
0: <laughs> that's right. The one thing that I did come across that did occur to me when I was watching it, and this is, this is going back to a piece Jonathan Rosenbaum wrote, because I think, I think the reason I bring him up so often is that he has written quite exhaustively about Iranian cinema over the years before a lot of his other contemporaries did. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of information there and he's, he's travelled to Iran and he's spoken to people. So you get some stuff via his work and I'd, I'd recommend having a look at it for those who haven't. But um, he mentioned that he asked uh, a friend of his who has an Iranian background, although I think she was living in America, and she said that she had issues with the way that this, the way this film presented the wife's ability to get a divorce.
1: It mm, goes too easy. It's sort of
0: inconsequential. Yeah, uh, where essentially, as we know from some of the other Rain films we've seen, you would have to like accuse the husband of you know being a drug addict or something, even if you have to outright lie in order to get out of the relationship.
1: They do sort of a, like, uh, um, tip their hands toward that, you know, at the beginning. Do they? Yeah, because there's like, oh, there's there's the bit where the the person who's like, oh, but he's not a drug addict. He doesn't he doesn't abuse you, you know.
0: Yeah, but it still it sort of implies that they. I mean, it doesn't really say that there's been much, but it, it
1: doesn't imply that it's a mutual decision. Versus, there's been many obstacles you know, in
0: her getting the divorce. It seems to be pretty straightforward. Yeah, I guess if he's consented, I
1: mean, that's that's where I would object to that. I mean, because the 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 um, you know, I, I think what, what makes this film the the whatever interest it is this is sort of the you know appearance of the father as like this good guy, you know, who's willing to to um, uh, consent to his divorce and stuff like that. Is it like sort of like this? I don't know, like this, this, this figure of like modernity to some degree, but you know, who is, who still is, I mean, because of his position in society, like, I don't know, like you know, it's sort of like critiquing his image, right, and and to some degree, I mean, not that I think it's it's particularly, it's not like attacking him to any degree, you know, and it, it's not like a vicious critique of him either, but I th- I do think that is sort of, it's it's setting, it's like it's like an audience expectation thing, right, where you're like, oh, this guy is well, he's a great this divorce to his wife, so obviously he must be, you know, a good guy.
0: Yeah, I think I, th- I, think maybe what he's trying to do is have these these two pathways that the characters go on, or maybe all yeah. the characters, in which kind of at the start, he's established as the one who maybe has the moral high ground of yeah. his wife, perhaps, because he's like, you know, even if I wanted to leave the country with my family, I can't abandon my father. There's no way I can do that, right? Yeah, yeah. So you're like, oh, maybe his wife is being a bit unreasonable or something. I don't know, whatever. And then by the end, you know, his wife's given more shading and she becomes more morally rounded and you sort of see her side a bit better. Yeah. And he becomes more compromised in terms of what he's done in this particular situation.
1: Yeah, that's, that's more what I mean.
0: So, like, I, I think that's what he's trying to do. Like, even if you don't see all sides all at once, by the end of the film, it's, it's revealed this holistic picture of yeah, the okay. frailty and... Whatever, of human existence. Yeah.
1: yeah, whatever, you know, standard art house. Whatever, themes.
0: yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it is it is absorbing enough, I think. I think the, I think you do get absorbed in the story, and you kind of want to know what happens. It does have this melodramatic engine which keeps it going. It's
1: as absorbing as, as any episode of Hot Order.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> um,
1: but, I, yeah, I, I did not find it to be that um, exemplary.
0: Nope. Bonus features. Bonus features. Bonus. Bonus features.
2: Bonus features. Bonus.
0: Bonus features. A couple of times I've tried to watch films I haven't been able to because of the connection. So the only film I successfully watched was um, I had to watch a DVD. I, I, I had to resort to using a DVD. Instead oh, so of, uh, barbaric! Because I couldn't stream shitty television shows, so I watched uh, *Skinny Tiger, Fatty Dragon*. What is that, Q? It's a Golden Harvest film directed by Lau Kar Wing, and it, was, it kind of reunited um, the team of Lau Kao Wing, Karl Macker, and Samu Hung, who had like a, produ- a film production house in the se- late seventies, I think, for a brief period of time. And they kind of worked together on and off. Um, and this was uh, a chance for them to get back together and make this uh, relatively entertaining Hong Kong action film in which Samu Hung plays a cop who loves Bruce Lee. Mm. So he fights like him, and it's like the third or fourth film in which Samu Hung has done that same shtick. <laughs> well, wow. He actually worked with Bruce Lee, so he... He killed do Lee. a pretty good impression Yeah, he killed Bruce Lee So, as with a lot of these action comedies uh, from Hong Kong of that, that era You often have to take a spoonful of uh, transphobia and misogyny Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> In the mix of your action comedy soup mm. Which is the case here uh-huh. But, you know, otherwise, <laughs> it's entertaining enough <laughs> It's okay it's not, it's not one of the great films. Okay. Well, then. <laughs> what else did you watch? That's it.
1: Oh, yep. well. Okay, so I watched a couple of films. Uh, I watched this film called, I went to the Museum of Modern Art and watched this movie called film about a woman who, uh, that's what the film was called, and it's kind of this uh, standard issue experimental art film from the 70s, which is to say it's pretty boring, and I didn't really enjoy it that much. Um, but it's kind of one of those films that you can read a lot about and be like, Oh, that's interesting. But actually watching is kind of a chore. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and I saw this one with one of my friends, uh, who started laughing sort of inexplicably in the middle of the film. I was like, why did you start laughing? And he was like, Oh, I looked over at you in the middle of the film. And and this is, it it was like the most unhappy I'd ever seen you in my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there was, there was one moment where I, I almost did start hysterically laughing because there's this protracted scene where these two people pull this woman's dress off, right? Really mm-hmm. slowly. And uh, the film like cuts to black in the middle of it. Right? And I was like, okay, great. That, that scene is over. Because was, was, it was getting like, a little long in the tooth. You know how uh, standard types of art films do that they often feature long shots of whatever. Um, and I was like, great. That's this, this, this is a positive development that we're moving towards the end of this film. Um, and, but then it cut back to the exact same image and there's something sort of like uh, Sisyphean and that, and, uh, I had to, uh, fake a coughing fit so that I would not burst out laughing to the, to the <laughs> middle of this audience, which had not made a single noise at all throughout the entirety of the film. <laughs> um, I finally watched, uh, a Martin Scorsese film. Really? Um, You've never seen one before. I've <laughs> never seen one before. And I started with the one I think is most uh, evocative of his entire directorial career, which is Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Mm. Um, a film which I really, really loved a lot. <laughs> I know, what a shock. be like you, in a Scorsese film. Um, but this one definitely, definitely uh, I would think, I sense to the, the top tier of Scorsese in my mind. Really? Um, yeah, I think it is really well done. I I uh, it, There's just sort of a a bursting fullness of life in its characters uh, in the situations it presents and it is a genuinely a romantic film um and i think that's really i think it was really great i think ellen Verson is fantastic and i think chris Christopherson uh who's also pretty good even if he you know, he's kind of a wooden presence but i think this film uses his uh persona well i think hmm um and it has this weird cameo by Harvey Keitel Is this, like, <laughs> southerner, or this guy lives in uh, Arizona, and he has this, like, weird accent, you're just like, wait a minute, what is, Harvey Keitel doesn't live <laughs> in Arizona, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think it has some great photography, because, I, I don't know, I feel like that specific region of the United States is something that is not particularly explored in film that often, specifically New Mexico and Arizona. Um, and I think it what really, is in
0: Breaking Bad on TV? Yeah.
1: But um, I feel like the film really nailed at least my experiences of it. Um, uh, just the, this feeling of like these these small sort of almost economically desolated towns, um, and it has one of I I, pro, I would say probably definitely one of like the best child performances that I've seen in any movie ever. Because um, uh, I don't know if you do you know anything about this movie. No, not really. Um, so Ellen Burstyn plays this woman who gets whose husband gets killed, and this this sort of a loveless marriage almost. Uh, but her husband dies suddenly, and she has this like smart ass kid who's played by this child actor named Alfred Water, um, and he's just a real little shit. Um, he's really gonna be this like, just like know it all like um, wise ass, uh, and I thought he was really great. Um, he didn't really have much of a career. He was in the Bad News Bears and Love and Death. Uh, but besides that, uh he's he's just really good. And I just thought this movie was really it's really warmed my heart, you know? Hmm. And it's just a really solid sort of um character setting. And uh it's it's really excellent. Um and it has a uh early appearance by Jodie Foster as a <laughs> um, Embryo. Alcoholic. Yeah, as an embryo. No, as a uh as a alcoholic uh, teenage wastoid, which I quite enjoyed as well. Yeah. Um, so I guess
0: it wasn't that far from Taxi Driver, was it? it was two yeah, I think
1: Taxi Driver was the film he made next, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, and it's like it's like one of his only films that is, uh, you know, was features a female protagonist, and I think uh, he really drills into and yeah. You know, there's something about this film too that I like. It's just this desperation that you feel. Uh, it really nails how frustrating and annoying interviewing for jobs is, uh, just sort of how, uh, uh, frustrating and aggravating and soul-destroying the job search process is. So, uh, I will... But also don't, in terms of
0: female protagonists, don't forget Boxcar Bertha. Uh,
1: i never seen that, so... I I have forgotten it. I can't have forgotten it, because I haven't seen it. Hmm. Um... But, uh, uh, and then, um... But maybe they're the only two films with a female protagonist? No. Um... I mean, Casito...
0: That's uh, more of an ensemble.
1: Yeah, but but I feel like Sharon Stone is, is definitely, you know, she's as much a protagonist as any of the other characters. Yeah, yeah, okay. Let's look at his uh, filmography real quick. I mean, you know, does, I've never seen, um... The Age of Innocence. Is that... That's sort of another ensemble film, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the problem. I mean, a lot of his movies are ensemble films, and I think yeah, I think I think he has had some really well drawn female characters. Um, but he and he does. Um, I mean, his films are often are centered on masculine worlds, which is not to excuse the fact that you know whatever. No, let's excuse it. Okay, let's excuse it. He's the uh, women
0: are terrible and period. But uh, now so. let's let's discuss the recent controversy. <laughs> 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 no,
1: no. I don't want to do this. So moving on, I watched this uh very forgettable horror film called Eli with my girlfriend and my roommate.
0: Um it's just
1: I don't even I don't even I barely remember it. I was doing work while I was watching it, so kind of a half watch. Honestly, I prefer the book. The book of Eli. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, great. Um but this film didn't make it a, really much of a depression on me at all. It was like kind of a enjoyably stupid twist. Um, it gave, it's like this boy has like this disease, and he gets taken to this facility, or he's he told he has a disease. Um, but it turns out he's the son of the devil or some shit. I don't remember. It was bad. Whatever. Yeah. Um, then I've watched a, a very excellent film. Uh, I've returned to the MoMA and saw the Insider. Hmm. Uh, Michael Mann's the Insider. Have you seen the Insider?
0: I have. I, I watched it when I was uh, pretty young so near the time it came out or a bit after mm. um, and I really loved it at the time.
1: Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, yeah, it's like this um, I don't know, it's a movie about how cigarettes are bad and how cigarette companies are bad. And also how the movie is Crow bad.
0: being really good in it. Yes, so is
1: Pacino. Hmm. This is probably one of his last like, um, good performances. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Barring the Irishman, perhaps? Barring... By, well, I guess I should not spoil my thoughts on the Irishman. No. Which I also no. watch. Which you um, have spoiled already
0: by giving it four and a half stars. Yeah, but no, no,
1: one, no one goes on me on... Uh, no one follows me on... Whatever box says you, so...
0: That's what I thought you were talking about. Sparing my feelings.
1: Yeah, but, and now it's like about our audience. I don't care about you. Okay. Um... But, uh, yeah, it's two solid performances. Just this great, like, mood about it. There's a great score. It's just like, you know, Michael Mann, he makes good movies. So I don't know to say besides that. Good one. Uh, and I saw him live in person.
0: Oh, really? Is that why they showed it? Yeah. I
1: mean, I'm sure they showed it because, you know, it's a, a good film. But, yes, he was there in person. Um, and, you know, the Q&A was like a standard Q&A. Like, they just talked about whatever. Um, but had this, like, terrible question where the woman was like, so I used to, what do you think about Fox News and, Whoa. Um, and she just went on this, like, long personal story about how the media, I don't know, misrepresented some case that she worked on or something like that, um, and she's like, what do you think about media in the age of Trump? And I was like, it, it took, like, or like 10 <laughs> minutes to get to this, and I was just like. Why do I care? And just by the way, I gave like some answer that was like, oh, you know, it's bad or whatever. And then I was like, okay, great. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Why am I here? Uh, audience Q&As are the worst. They are. But, yeah. um, but uh, the Insider is not the worst. It's great. Uh, fuck cigarette companies. And I'm and pro-whistleblower, anti-corporations. So there you mm-hmm. go. Um, and I just enjoy, you know, this is another film that's about divorce. <laughs> And unlike, say, A Separation, uh, everyone comes off looking like shit in it. So, <laughs> uh, Okay, great. So, um, not finally, but next I watched this um, sort of forgettable documentary called Lost Soul, The Doom Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. Uh, basically because I wanted something to put onto on the background. And, you know, I'd heard somewhat good things about this film. That sounds interesting. Uh, and it was basically enjoyable, but... You know, it's it's just sort of a talking head documentary. Like this isn't, yeah. Okay. It's like it's just like talking. The story head. sounded interesting. The story sure is the story is fairly interesting, but um, I feel like this film kind of uh, it up I don't know. I just felt... there there are. I mean, the the basic like um, thrust of the narrative is pretty interesting, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's as comprehensive as the as you like. But it has all these like great. Um, Stories about how this film was a disaster, pretty much. Uh, and it's out in Australia. So that's where you're from. Uh, and it features like, an extended interview with Bob Shea, who's the in- head of uh, New Line Cinema, where he looks like Freddy Krueger pretty much, which is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. He's like, wearing the sweater. It's not like a Freddy Krueger setter, but it's like, oh, okay, I, I, I understand what you're doing here. Uh, but it makes just uh, Marlon Brando seem like an asshole, <laughs> as you might expect. Yeah, and I think I think it suffers from being a little too Richard Stanway. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's, like, the impetus for them making this film, but um, I didn't really find... I thought, like, that his vision of the film didn't seem particularly interesting either, and I think it sort of suffers from being, like, he was too radical, too much of an outsider artist mm-hmm. for New Line, um, but... Uh, yeah the story they're making of the film is pretty crazy. And I'm pretty excited about his uh, his new film that's coming out soon. So I mean hopefully. Oh yeah, is a new film out? Yes yeah, that HP uh, Lovecraft film with Thick Cage.
0: Oh, the color from from Outer Space. Yeah. Is that him? Uh, yeah, that's him. That's his first film in like uh, thirty years something like
1: that. Oh wow. Yeah. So uh, sounded that sounded pretty interesting.
0: I thought that was just some up and coming director. Yeah, interesting. No
1: interesting uh, I mean, it was a former up-and-coming director who's probably been turned into a bitter old man at this point. Uh, but Richard Stanley seems like a weirdo. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was faintly enjoyable, I'd say. But nothing's spectacular. Uh, then I watched... Finally, I, I also dipped into the uh, Golden Harvest Bucket and watched this film called The Seventh Curse, uh, which is directed by um, a name named Lam, uh, Ch- uh Nai Choi. Uh, He's probably best known for directing a film called Ricky Yo, The Story of Ricky. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And actually not that many other films. Ricky Yo, I have not seen, but has a reputation for being, like, extremely (laughs) gory.
0: Yeah, it's the guy who punches through everybody.
1: Yeah. Uh, The Sun Curse has some gore effects, but uh, it's this very, very strange sort of comedy, horror, martial arts... Indiana Jones knockoff um, adventure film (laughs) Mm -hmm. where um, this uh, it has this like really bizarre and great um, frame narrative (laughs) where um, the writer who wrote this series of books which are called like uh, either the wisely or Wesley series yes um it's, like, hanging out with all these, like, beautiful women. In the, and also, uh... Chaoyun Fat and, um... Chin Soi... Uh, Chin Su Ho, who play like, the main characters. Sort of. I, I mean... Um, and they're just sort of, like, hanging out in these tuxedos and drinking these, like, martinis, basically. And it's like, ah, mm. oh, I know a story. A story that'll get your blood going. And then he, like, turns to... Um, the main character is like, tell us that story, and then it like cuts to goes into a flashback of like, and it doesn't return to the. I mean, the uh, I watched this version that was apparently like a DVD release that cut like the final scene, uh, which is a shame. But because apparently it returns to that frame story, he's like, ah, the you know, and uh, the the stories will continue next time. But it never they never made like a proper sequel to it. So,
0: although my memory of it is dim. I uh, think I do remember it coming back to Chow Yun-Fat at the end when I watched it. Well,
1: so the version I watched has, has this bizarre... I mean, it takes, like, like that scene I just described where they're like it comes back to the frame narrative. But it's just... the It's like this. the, the shot plays out without sound and just the credits roll over it.
0: So right, the movie just, like,
1: right. cuts and it's just like, ah! It's like, oh, this is odd. But apparently, according to Wikipedia, the theatrical release version is like, there'll be sequels to this film. Um... But um, Chai and Fat is not in this movie very much, which is a no. shame. No. Um, he spends a lot of the movie just like sort of dodging around, smoking a pipe, um, and then he comes in at the end to destroy like the final creature with a rocket launcher, mm. which is pretty incredible. Um, uh, so this is a movie that features a couple of very bizarre sights. Uh, it features a character having a martial arts fight with a skeleton, who then, after being defeated, transforms into a sort of alien esque creature. Hmm. Uh, it features full frontal nudity, which I was not expecting. Because <laughs> uh, I feel like a lot of the Hong Kong films I've watched, um, if they they don't feature much, if they're they'd be incredibly wild. But I've I don't know, maybe it's because I'm confining myself mostly to Jackie Chan films. They sort of bucket an element of explicit sexuality, which this, this film does not. Hmm. Um, and there's several nude scenes, which I thought was uh, odd. Uh, there's this great scene where the main character, it's like my favorite, like, I have an erection joke, where he's he uh, goes to Thailand in order to, you know, research some cult or whatever. And he spies a woman... Um, taking a, a bath in uh, a, a lake, right? Mm. And obviously, like, you see through her blouse and um, everything else. And he's, like, looking at her through binoculars, and as soon as he sees this, like, she, like, comes up to him, he drops his binoculars. I just like that as an a erection metaphor.
0: <laughs> I, think, I think Jackie Chan's ones are maybe a little more sexless than his normal. Um, yeah. And th- there's definitely a thread of bawdiness mm. that runs through uh, a lot of these comedies. Mm. Um, but this film, it, it's such a, it's such a
1: bizarre like, genre, mismatch. Hmm. Uh, there's a scene where Maggie Chung, uh, bathes in boiling blood of various animals. Which is really bizarre. Um, and she has this, like, really strange role as this, like, sort of up-and-coming reporter who, um, I don't know, I really enjoyed her performance Obviously, Maggie Chung's great. Um, uh, and, uh, there's a great scene where this, this scene is like literally had by like draw on the ground uh, dropped on the ground where there's a scene sort of early in the film where the the um, villain uh, is like he takes this like bowl full of blood and is like putting on the sacrificial altar, right? Like, oh that's interesting. I wonder where that where that um, you know, this tub full of blood came from. And there's a film, there's a scene later in the film where he takes a newborn baby, right? Like, oh, what's he doing with that baby? And then puts it into this, like, sort of vice and just crushes it. And you're like, what the, like, what
2: the fuck? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, this uh, it's, it's a film that is shockingly gory. Uh, there are several great sequences where um, the main character um, engages in, in combat with some monks uh, who are either part of this cult or part of this other Buddhist um, sort of religious, I don't know, thing. Um, and they, they run up to him and, uh, assuming they're expecting to fight him with, like, you know, spears or martial arts, uh, and he just shoots them. Which is <laughs> mm. never not amusing. <laughs> like, there's, there's this great scene where there, there's just, like, a bunch of them um, running up this temple, these temple steps and he's just, like, machine cutting them down. <laughs> it's just so funny. Um, yeah, it's just a really wild film that I really enjoyed. A uh, lot, of, lot of pleasures to be had in this.
0: I definitely recommend you check out some of the other films in that genre. Mm. I mean, not necessarily all Indiana Jones adventure mixes, but there's a lot of great horror action comedies from Hong Kong of that era. Yeah. Um, But I would
1: definitely recommend that you watch The Seventh Curse and refresh your memory about it. So, um, yeah, I guess that's it. (sighs) Uh, Anything else you have to talk about before we bring this podcast to a conclusion? Mm. Oh! fuck man you know what we forgot to do what burn hollywood burn whoa <laughs> wow good thing that i uh did we forget any other segments no <laughs> are you sure yes uh
0: should we put that in the vault <laughs>
1: <laughs> no no <laughs> you can't put two fucking segments into the vault in one episode <laughs> <All> <laughs> don't right, be fine. don't be ridiculous you you coward this is my. This might be my favorite uh, segment that we do because it, it's always so bad. <laughs> burn
2: Hollywood, burn. That's right, mama. Burn. Hollywood,
1: burn. So, um, burn Hollywood, burn, or burn. We talk about the top films at the box office. The last in weekend, our respective the weekend, countries. Yeah, the weekend that preceded this, this podcast. Mm-hmm. So are you fucking psyched about this, bro? Yeah.
0: Box
2: office hooray. Box office hooray. Box office hooray. Box office, hooray. Box office hooray. All
0: Right. Alright, uh, the number one movie in America... The number one movie in Australia... Was... Is... Was
1: midway last
0: christmas (laughs) the gross of 17,897,419
1: dollars
0: last christmas grossed one and a half million Mm -hmm. last christmas is number four in the united states so what was number one i didn't actually hear very well midway
1: what the hell's that it's a Roland Emmerich film about the battle of midway okay with a bunch of b-list stars in it all right ready yeah disney plus shocks star wars fans with george lucas's new han shot first edit i watched that it's ridiculous the infamous han shot first scene has been re-edited yet again so <laughs> this time Grito has the last word before he dies by han solo's gunshot okay great
0: um so go for it what's your news article uh, I guess I'll just go with the top one. Virginia Leith, female lead in Stanley Kubrick's first film, dies at 94.
2: Project A Plus, that was Project A Plus. Project A Plus, that was Project A Plus. Project A Plus, featuring the both of us. Project A Plus, now it's time to say thanks very much. Please stay in touch. Otherwise we might lose the will to fight Then we'll close down our website We're gonna go make another show Now we have to say goodbye Hope you get that dream job Maybe meet a handsome guy We pray to God that you'll find happiness Before you die